Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My name is Mike Siegel. I'm the host of said podcast, and thanks for listening. My guest today is Sarah Haywood. Before we get to Sarah, I have a few announcements. Our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, check out some stories that I've written, some stories that the guests have written. Check out photos of the guests. Check out links to all their social media. And check out links to our social media. And that is, of course, Instagram, which is Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Twitter, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There are links to our Facebook page. Please give us a like and a follow on all those platforms. Also... On our website, you can find links to Stitcher Radio and iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, as it's called now, where you can subscribe to the show for free. And if you do that, I would appreciate it if you gave us a good rating, because that helps more people find the show by boosting our presence, and that's always a cool thing. So if you can do that, I'd appreciate it. Would you like to be on our show? Do you know somebody who'd be great on the show? Podcast at gmail.com. You can write me, recommend yourself, recommend someone else, or say some nice things. You can even say bad things. I don't like the bad things as much, but, you know, you can write me. That's all I'm saying. TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, now we get to Sarah Haywood. Sarah is someone I met at a uh, travel event, a Travel With Meaning event, uh, run by a friend of the show, Mike Scheibel, who was a guest last year. Sarah is a lot of things to a lot of people. Yoga instructor, artist, traveler, alchemist, seeker. She does a lot of things, is what I'm saying, and she's open to a lot of things. And I find myself in these times of fear and cynicism and confusion, uh, seeking out positive people. I'm gravitating more and more to them. I know I can sometimes be cynical myself. It's the nature of my business, uh, comedy, show business, uh, skeptical. I was raised that way. And it's an easy trap to fall into, especially as I and we get older tend to shut ourselves down a little more. So lately, I've been trying to surround myself more and more with people who are doing good things and setting out a positive spirit, vibe, whatever it is. Negativity is kind of a cancer. It's something I fight in myself. It's something I've always fought in my family. And I know there's some people who are going to listen to this episode and think that maybe this isn't your thing. Maybe we've uh, wandered a little off the travel path a little bit, but travel's a part of of a life journey. And Sarah is someone who's been through a bit of a journey and certainly a, a journey of personal discovery. And we talk about that. One thing I've noticed about anybody who embraces travel is that they are curious. We all have an innate curiosity about people, about different cultures, different foods, different ways of life, and different ways of thinking. So it's refreshing to come across someone like Sarah who is open to just about everything. And it's a mentality and a way of life and a way of thinking that I'm trying to get a little more of in my life. You can't love anybody until you love yourself. And in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Where did I hear that before? All right. It was true in 69 when the Beatles said it. It's true now. It's true for all time. 
And come to think of it, those were four guys who went on a little spiritual journey themselves. And they did okay. <laughs> so anyway, it was a pleasure to meet somebody who's putting something out there that's positive, who works hard at it, and wants to help others. I enjoyed talking to her, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Here's the lovely and charming Sarah Haywood. Sarah Haywood. So I've done some homework on you. Not in a creepy way, but I had to do some research. And from what I could tell, you do about a million different things. You're like a yoga instructor, photographer, artist. There's hemp involved somewhere. Traveler, of course. Yeah. What, what do you call yourself? When people like me ask, what do you do? What do you say? You know, I, I've narrowed it down to entrepreneur. <laughs> because <laughs> like there's so many things that I do. I would add one more that I'm highly involved in is alchemy of all sorts. Sound alchemy, operative alchemy, energy alchemy. Okay, now be a little... Okay, help me out. When you say alchemy, you mean in terms of like helping others, in terms of like therapy in a way? Alchemy... Giving. uh, No, the basis, it's actually... The basis is operative alchemy, which is extracting the essence out of something, essentially. Yeah. All right. It's a practice. It's a way of life. Okay. Now, is it something you trained for or just something yep. you just picked I'm, up? I'm in an apprenticeship. Okay. Yeah, with this, an alchemist. Okay, now I'm fascinated. <laughs> so, I've never heard of this. This is great. So, okay, where do you, where do you study something like this and how long does it take? Um, I would say it's definitely lifelong practice and probably many lifetimes. It was one of the things when it landed in my lap, I thought, oh, wow, yeah, this is me. And how come I've never heard of this before? <laughs> so it was, it was the thing that really, whenever it landed in me, it was like, this is what I'd always been looking for. It was what I'd been seeking. And to me, it's like the center of the labyrinth. So I study mostly online through my teacher who's in Taos, New Mexico, but I travel around and do workshops with him as well. So when you say you, you draw people... The best out of people. That's alchemy. That, that would be, an, yeah, energy alchemy. Okay. Now, is this like a physical thing? Is this more of like a mental study or is this like exercises? How yeah, I would work? say that would be like mindset, mostly mindset work, which I find 80% of life I'm coming to know through business is mindset, mm-hmm. 20% structure. So um, in that way, yes, working with energy as well, you know, I, I mean, I, we could go so many different places with that. But, and then there's the operative alchemy, I would say, is that physical practice of actually sitting in a lab, distilling something, and dr- ec- extracting the essence from it. That's what any essential oil is that anybody's taking, is actually you're taking any substance and extracting the soul from it. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was in uh, uh, Lojing, Croatia last year, where they're all about wellness, this island, and they specialize in essential oils, and you can buy them all over. So how is it different from, like, saying, making a massage oil or an olive oil or something like that? Yeah, well, in, in the alchemy that I'm really interested and intrigued by, it's actually study, doing this with metals, so extracting the essence of gold or silver. That's essentially right. the basis of like the roots of alchemy, which goes all the way back to Egypt and so on and so forth, way, 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 way before that. Um, but really with this, it's, it's using consciousness. So it's consciously extracting 
versus maybe in a lab or just setting up a whole bunch of things. It's a similar thing, but you know, with these higher vibration energetics like metals, which I believe were the basis of all things, including air, is a metal. So when you are extracting the essence of a metal and then taking that essence, you can get on the same frequency in it and life seems to flow a lot better. Okay. <laughs> we're getting off on a tangent. I know, I know we're going, we, we could do an hour on this, but um, let's get it back to traveling. Totally. Uh, okay. So I, I met you at uh, Mike Scheibel's event. It was a yep. travel with meaning thing. And uh, I think at the time, this is maybe over a year ago, you were doing like light photography or something. Mm-hmm. And you, were, you just had a, maybe an exhibit somewhere. Were you doing, what was that called? Um, that's called Moonscribe. Moonscribe. Okay. Tell me yeah. what the Moonscribe is. Is yeah. that travel related? Totally. So I essentially created Moonscribe back in 2013. It essentially found me. And I just wanted to do something that allowed me to travel and be in nature. I didn't want to have a job, but I wanted to work for myself and experience artistry of my own while connecting to nature and spreading light and inspiring people. And what came through was this business I created called Moonscribe. And essentially, I'm going out to dark, desolate places, mostly in nature by myself, and setting up my camera on a tripod and then opening up the lens of the camera. So when you take a photo, it's got the and that's right. the opening and closing of a lens. So what I do is I open up the lens and I leave it open for an extended period of time. And I go in front of the camera while it's open and I, sh- I shine a light at it. And I write backwards and write words or phrases. And then when I'm finished, I close the lens and I have a photograph that then has any, any light that has been shown at the camera is then exposed in text and phrases as a photograph. How long did you have to learn how to write backwards? Because I would screw that up a, a bunch of times. <laughs> you know, I'm dyslexic, so I think it came <laughs> well, maybe, really maybe easy. It worked, yeah, yeah. Maybe it worked in your favor. Then. Yeah, there was a few times where I, I wrote some letters backwards, but <laughs> it actually came, it was pretty easy for me to do. What were some of the places you went to? It was a lot of desert stuff, I saw. Lots of Joshua Tree. That's where Moonscribe was born at Giant Rock, which is a very magical place. Um, Joshua Tree... Uh, Arizona, Sedona. I mean, I've even done cities like New York, Seattle, Portland, um, Hawaii. I've you know traveled to Spain, Italy. I've really Costa Rica. I mean, I've <laughs> shot all over the world, and basically anywhere I've traveled with a camera, I've shot. How do you find a desolate place in New York where nobody walks into your frame? Yeah, not really desolate, but the cool thing about it being night photography and long exposure, as long as they're not standing in the frame, it it won't pick them up. If they're moving through, it it may be a ghostly shadow, but mostly people in New York are passing by so fast yeah. that it actually doesn't pick up any people, which is really cool. Uh, that's some girl with a camera, whatever. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's uh, let's go way back then, and let's find out where you're from. You're from Texas originally? Originally from Texas. Okay. How does a Texas gal end up in the canyons of Topanga near Malibu learning alchemy? How did that, What? give me that journey. Yeah, you know, it's a soul's journey for sure. The the (laughs) mystical journey, I think had I chose, you know, what some might call the highest path of like intellectual and and being, you know, in the 3D realm, I call it, I probably would have been a physicist working for NASA studying the nature of black holes. But instead, I've chosen to study the black hole that is myself. And so really gone inward and 
you know, Texas never really felt like home to me. I always felt like an alien there. And the older I grew, the less I identified with the people and the culture. And the moment I started traveling at a young age and the moment that I really got out of Texas and saw that there were people living in other ways, uh, it didn't take but a couple weeks for me to realize that I was ready to leave Texas. So, <laughs> How yeah. old were you when that happened? Um, you know, I was, I was 20 when I decided I, I, was read, I wanted to leave Texas. And I, I actually went to Australia. I wasn't planning on staying there for an extended period of time, but I actually read the book The Alchemist, which is okay, there you part go. of my story. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go find who I am, even though in that book it actually says, like, everything that you are is actually already inside of you. It's right here. But I took a trip to Australia and ended up staying there for a while. And, you know, my, my mom sort of pleaded that I come home and not make a <laughs> life over there. And I said, okay, well, in that case, I'm going to move to California because I've made a list of what I want in my life and Australia offers it, but another place closer to home that offers all of these same things is California. And she said, sure, I, I totally support you <laughs> she moving can handle, to California. Okay. Where, how long were you in Australia? How long did that last? I was there a year. Wow, a whole year. Yeah. Okay. Did you stay mostly in one place or did you go all around? Yeah. Um, my home base was in Brisbane and... I wasn't having, I had no plan when I went there, honestly. I had no idea what I was doing. And you went solo. I went solo, okay. yeah. That was my first solo trip was Australia, too. It's an easy start, you know, because it's, you know, same language. And exactly. It's not a big culture shock, really. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a big Texas, in a way, with a different accent. It's true. <laughs> you, you substitute football for your rugby and Aussie rules, and it's kind of the same. Yeah, it's not that different. It's not. About the same amount of people. Too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> much more beautiful beaches. Yeah, Australia. yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> and more animals that can kill you out in the wild. So, okay, so you, you use Brisbane as a uh, as a base. Yep. Did you go? I only did the East Coast right there. So. Yep, I just traveled on that coast mostly. Yeah. Byron was my favorite. Byron Bay is the best, right? It's my favorite. Oh, I miss it's the it. Best, me too. Ah. <laughs> so, what, did you um, work at all? To oh, make yeah. money? Oh, yeah. I was working. I've always been a hustler, natural hustler. I, my mom's a single. I grew up with a single mom who always had jobs. And so it was sort of like just the way of life is like working your way through. And I worked for a T-shirt design company. All my jobs were under the table. I got paid <laughs> cash. And, um, you know, I ended up a bunch of random jobs, like even working at the farmer's market there, which is, you know, here in the U.S., it's not something that I was like, you know, oh, I'll go work at the farmer's market. But, you know, they paid me $25 an hour cash. And Sweet. I, you know, I got to work with local farms and vegetables and fruits. And it was, it's just part of the culture there, which is so different. So, yeah, I worked a bunch of under under the table jobs. I did some team building stuff with corporations, taking people out on adventures like kayaking and <laughs> really, you know, I just flowed with whatever came my <laughs> That's way. That's awesome. So, okay, after a year, you come back, and then was um, Southern California your destination? Did you try Northern? No, Did I you didn't try Northern. I'd never even been to Northern California before, but I knew the moment I landed in San Diego, California was home to me. I was San like, Diego? Yeah. Not, I wouldn't say I was attached to San Diego, but I just knew California. It's like that. I landed in San Diego, and... You can't beat the weather. I can't beat the weather. Really good. <laughs> you really can't. And it was actually on my trip home from Australia. Well, I'd been in Bali for a little bit before that, came here. And I had a friend pick me up at the airport, went to one of his friend's houses. I'm like, what are you doing with that extra bedroom? And he was like, you know, I emailed my landlady today and told her that 
I'm going to start looking for a roommate. And I was like, well, would you consider having me as a roommate? And, you know, I could see the waves from the, <laughs> yeah. front, from the front window. And I was like, you know, I, I want to move to California. And so, yeah, we talked about it. And two weeks later, I was in my car with all my stuff and driving from Austin, Texas to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Loaded down with uh, farmer's market experience, ready yeah. to work. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, let's go back to that trip. Was that trip to Australia your first time out of the country? No. Yeah, okay. I, yeah. I, so your I, parents, your mom was into traveling and showing you stuff. Yeah. My mom's a traveler. Definitely oh, got that's it from good. her. Yeah. She sailed from Mexico to Hawaii on a 40-foot sailboat. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. With how many people? With five people. <laughs> that's tough. It was tough. I hear, I've heard the stories and she wouldn't do it again. No, I've done that in the cruise ship and I don't want to do it again. Um, so she, she implanted in you that this is a good thing. Like it's good to get out. Yeah, she's, I mean, a gypsy at heart and just loves people and exploring and new things and new places. How did she end up in Texas? Is she from there? She's from Texas, yeah. But they, they lived overseas. My grandfather worked in the oil industry and they lived in Spain and she went to school in London. And so oh, okay. Yeah, but she she dropped out of school once she started traveling. Actually, at like she well she got kicked out of school and then, oh. and then she just kept traveling. This is starting to make more and more sense. Your story. <laughs> uh, so, what was that one moment when you said you knew? Oh, people live a different way. Do you remember there was a specific thing when you were traveling, like your eyes just blew wide open? You know, it was just an energy, really, for me of like people doing things I loved, being at the ocean, swimming, surfing, eating good food, enjoying the sunshine, connecting with one another, not looking down when you, you know, when you walked by. It was just a friendly, it was an energy of like people really wanted to connect. Yeah. What were your favorite places when you were a kid that you remember you traveled to? Did you, you went to Europe? No, I never went to Europe as a kid. We actually didn't have much money as a kid. Most of the traveling I did uh, was with, I actually started taking myself to church at 11 <laughs> and I started doing mission trips. Wow. Yeah. My family didn't go, but I did. Yeah. Man. See, that's so weird. Cause my, uh, my parents, my dad was Jewish. My mom was Catholic. And so obviously they married each other. Not so into the religion. Uh, but we never went anywhere, but they gave us the option my, my dad gave me this speech, like covering his ass, I think. Hey, if you guys ever want to go, I'll take you. And how many kids right. are going to go? No, I, I don't want to watch cartoons on the weekend. I'll, I want to go. But you were one of those kids. You took yourself to church. Yeah. Was it more of uh, a social thing, like your friends were going? or did Yeah, you... I think I was curious because okay. there was a time on Sunday everyone went to church. And I was uh, like, Texas. where are my friends going? <laughs> And my mom, you know, you don't want to be the heathen family. Why don't we go to church? And my mom's like, oh, you know, she grew up Catholic too, went to Catholic school, probably the school she got kicked out of. (laughs) So it's probably a good bet. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, oh, you want to go to church? Okay, I'll take you. You know, which one do you want to try? And so I, she essentially took me church shopping. You know, took me to the (laughs) Catholic church. I was like, no, that's not. Yeah, music, no good. Yeah, it was one of those fun churches. Yeah. So. You know, then I'd settled on a Methodist church, um, but we, we actually moved every year growing up. So oh, my gosh. I, That's hard. I tried, you know, it, I, it was hard, and it makes me who I am today. It yeah. makes it really easy for me to do what I do and to move through the world 
at the pace at which I do with such ease and grace. So, right. Yeah. So I tried a bunch of different churches and then um, sort of settled on the non denominational. But I went all through high school and, you know, I was a good Christian girl. I wasn't going <laughs> to smoke or drink or have sex till I got married. And I mean, that I held on to that strong until Australia. No, it was my freshman year of college. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> freshman year of college. Uh, usually, that, those are the girls we look for, the freshman year. Oh, yeah, the, they uh, were looking for me. I was being hunted for which, sure. Uh, which college? I went to a private business school in Dallas for two years called Northwood University. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I got a Fulbright scholarship. This seems like so not Luke. you. It, I know. I know. But you know what? It's, like, it's you were that right. contrast. Austin was right there. I know. I had the... the I got to experience so many things that weren't me, you yeah, know, to figure I, yeah. out what I didn't like. I get it. Yeah. So what were some of these mission trips to? Where'd you go? Um, Belize, Mexico. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mostly the Caribbean and, you know, South close. Texas. Yeah, close. Um, so what kind of work were you doing? Were you like building schools and Building schools. Churches? Just, yeah, we did so many different things. Yeah, help like raise money to put ACs in a church or build a church or help children or just play with children, connect with children. It was a lot of work with children. Do you think this is what implanted like your alchemist future kind of thing? No, I think that that's been, you know, a deep, you know, in me for many, many (laughs) lifetimes. Yeah. Okay. So you come out to here, you're in San Diego, then what happens? I'm in San Diego. Then what happens? Well, you know, I'd sort of had this vision, I think like many of us do during our spiritual awakenings, you know, during especially 2010, 11, 12 of, you know, okay, I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to teach yoga. I'm going to build community. I'm going to be an educator. I'm going to help children. And so, I don't know, that was my mission. I came out and started yoga teacher trainings and just diving into that. And then, getting introduced to different modalities and methods of healing. I started working with a visionary coach just during, I was having a breakdown, one of those moments of like, my roommate was moving out. He was like, we're going to get another roommate. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to, I don't know why I'm here. You know, I came here and I don't know why I'm here. Where, where do I need to be? And so, yeah, I came to LA for one weekend and just had a, pretty major breakdown and somebody gave me like Wayne Dyer's you know audio cassettes or CDs and like listen to this like create the life you want and you know all of these things just start to align as it does when you're in crisis and somebody called and said I have a visionary coach you should call him and I was just in desperation I literally picked up the phone I'm like hi my name is Sarah Alexis gave me your number I need help. Like, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know anything. And he's like, great, let's schedule a session. And we did. And essentially, that was my introduction to energy work and realizing that we're not just these bodies and it's not just this physical realm, but there's something way bigger that's energy that's that's always around us and it just allowed me to see and start to create more consciously in my life and we tapped in and he's like where's the most fun harmonious place for you to be what does your higher self say about that and what came through immediately was LA and I was like no it's not I don't think so and and so he was like so what'd you get in that meditation and I'm like you know I don't think I'm really doing I don't know how to uh this and he's like 
he's like, that's funny. I got Los Angeles loud and clear. And I was like, you did? And he's like, yeah, let's go back in and just see. Let's t- tap in what area. We went in and it was like Hollywood. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And he's like, I got Hollywood. And I'm like, I did too. So then there was this new thing that was starting, these new neurons in my brain that started to connect like, wow, we we are all connected. And I just connected to my higher self that got the same message that this guy on the other end of the phone in Ashland, Oregon got. There's something bigger than me going on and I'm going to surrender to that. And so I listened and I just started praying and I was like, show me where and who and how, you know, and I packed up my stuff. I put it in storage. I was going to Burning Man for my first time. I'd been planning it for a year. I head to Burning Man with the pure intention of finding a job and a place to live in LA. I'm like, all right. And so I get on my bike, you know, we set up our camp Sunday night. I get on my bike Monday morning. Sure enough, you know, everything unfolds. I meet the perfect woman who gives me this perfect first Burning Man experience as a Playa Virgin. I meet the most incredible people. And within two weeks after Burning Man, I'm living in an amazing, beautiful home with a job working for an actor and living in the heart of Hollywood. That's <laughs> <laughs> so wild. So, okay, let's okay, let's go to the Burning Man chapter now, because this just ended. And you didn't go this year, did you? I didn't. It was my first year in many years not to go. Okay. Now, I've never been. Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know what it is, it's 70,000 people mm-hmm. go to this desert. And I guess it's Black Rock. Black Rock City. Nevada. Mm-hmm. Up uh, north of Reno, isn't it? Or exactly. somewhere out, out there. And you basically create a city, and you leave no trace of it after it's done. It's about 10 days. It ends on Labor Day or something Ish, like that. yeah. Ish. And uh, it's about community, art, that kind of stuff. So as someone who's never been, or for the people out there who's never been, sell us on this thing. What, what is it about Burning Man that you love? Wow. Yeah, it's one of those things that we could have a whole podcast just on this. Um, <laughs> You know, for me, and that's the thing, it's for everybody, it's different. Yeah, I've heard different things. Yes, because when you think about, again, an energy, you know, you you have this blank canvas in the middle of the desert with absolutely nothing. So everything that's there is brought there. So all of the energy is consciously created right there, or maybe unconsciously, but essentially you have this blank canvas and then you come and then you show up with your own energy. And for me, it's about participation. After you've gone for one year as a virgin and you get to experience the magic of something for me, I often tell people it's like having the wow hiccups, like (laughs) literally everywhere you look, you're just like, wow, wow. Like it's, it's unbelievable. It's hard for the human mind to comprehend that all of these things are happening in one place at one time that you never could have even imagined. And I mean, it's hard to explain, but like walking across the desert and like not seeing anything, it's just dark, 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 dark. And then all of a sudden you stumble upon a movie theater where you walk in the doors, there's a marquee, you walk in the doors, there's a concession stand, there's tickets, there's the red carpet, there's seats, and you walk in and there's a full movie theater in the middle of the desert, you know? And and honestly, it's like, it's one of those places of instant manifestation. Whatever you want to create, whatever you're vibrating at, whatever you're wanting to experience, you will experience. So if somebody goes out there wanting to, you know, thinking it's a party in the desert, they're going to have the experience of it being a party in the desert. For me, I had, you know, I went out there with the intention of finding a job and a place to live 
also with like my core values of experiencing freedom and connection and love and joy and laughter and all of that. And that's exactly what I did experience. So really it's a blank canvas for you to have and create whatever you want. And for me, I think the more open you are and the more you invite magic to happen, the more magic that does happen. So I always go and I tell people, don't go with any expectations, but be ready to be able to survive in the desert for a week because it gets harsh and it's not easy. And I'll tell you, it's actually one of my favorite things about it is being out there in a 70 mile an hour wind dust storm where you can't see anything. And it's like, you're at the mercy of nature, you know, like some people can't handle that. And, and, like I said, I, I think for me, when people think it's a party in the desert and then I see them get caught in a 70 mile an hour wind dust storm, I'm like, seeing Burning Man's not everything you thought it was. <laughs> right. <laughs> While they're naked and outside in a, in a dust storm. Are you an RV person or a tent person? I'm a tent person. Wow. You got to go full on. I do it. You know, right. I like the, it's, it's part, I mean, the RVs are totally a luxury and, you know, I'm also on the, part of this sustainability crew of like you know how can I leave a smaller imprint you know it's not to go out there and create a bunch of waste and but really to scale back and and see how small and minimally we can live um and and trying not to leave a big footprint wow so how many years have you gone my first year was 2011 I've gone six years so this would I think been in my seventh year it's gotten expensive, hasn't it? It seems like, I remember tickets, well, I saw online. I had a hint of possibly looking into going. And I saw, I saw tickets for as high as it, over $2,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that they do have those ticket brackets now for people if you want a guaranteed a ticket. Yeah. And then they... I think people were reselling them, too. Oh, so yeah. So that, that was probably... That's think, not kosher. I think the base price was like like 1600 bucks or something. No, 1300 maybe? Wow. No, 340 is a Burning Man ticket. Is it? Maybe it went up to 390. It might have gone up again. Not Boy, that I'm thinking I must have been it. looking at the secondhand market. <laughs> so, uh, who's running this and how do they keep it who's selling the tickets? Well, there's no it's an organization. Uh, so the guy who created it actually just passed away this year. And I don't know what it's, you know, what that all looks like now, but it's an organization and I'll tell you there is way more money you know, than just the ticket sales for, for what it goes in to put this on. I mean, yeah, I have yeah. friends, honestly, who put in millions of dollars every year for Burning Man. And, th- and that's part of like what will blow your mind of that, wow, somebody created something that cost a million dollars for one week in the desert for you to have the experience of like, just to blow your mind, you know, <laughs> essentially, you know, and it, it really puts into perspective money and energy and, and, it's just, yeah, it's a really, it, I just recommend everybody go. I mean, it's not for everybody, but if you're feeling the call, make it happen. I <laughs> saw <laughs> yeah, so somebody had like a jet or something they had converted into like a disco. It was like a half of a, the fuselage of a, of a jet plane. Yeah. I mean, there's actually a full 747 that goes out there too. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It's wow. absolutely mind blowing. I mean, a few years ago there was a pier a full-size pier and it was just it's so it's mind-blowing you know it's like 
a ship. You know, there's lots of ships out there, giant ships. <laughs> some of them are art cars, some of them moving, some of them not. But it's just something that it's the most radical thing I've ever seen, ever. And yeah, every time I go, I'm just like totally blown away by people's creativity and commitment to also remind people that this whole life that we're living is a dream. <laughs> do you still, do you create any big exhibits or do, are you working a bit while you're there or is it all about? Yeah, I've, you know, my, even my first year I worked while I was there doing things, which typically, you know, it's not a thing. You just go and enjoy your first year. Um, but yeah, I contribute everywhere I go all the time. You know, I work even a camp that I camped with a few years ago called Merkaba. Like I'll go and volunteer in the kitchen there just for a few hours and help them work. But really that's what it's all about. It's just about people participating and helping. I, I love the skating rink. There's a skating rink and it's one of my favorite things. I'm totally a skater. I've been a skater my whole life. Roller skating, I'm guessing. Yeah, quads. Okay. got the, the speed skates. <laughs> Although I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt somebody I wouldn't, can... Yeah, I wouldn't some year somebody's going to make an ice rink. Somebody's we talk make about it. it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I help put together the skate floor every year and um, yeah, just contribute wherever. You know, there's always, always things to do on the playa. So yeah, I contribute. I haven't done a big art installation, but I would like to and I will in the future for sure. Do you ever do any of your moon uh, skate work? You know what's crazy? Did I say that right? No, moon scribe. Moon scribe. I've taken my camera out there almost every year and I never take a photo. It seems like photo heaven. Everybody's taking amazing photos. Is it that why? Is. is that too many people taking already taking the It's photo? actually, well, that's also the thing about Burning Man is it looks like everybody's taking photos all the time, but I would say it's less than 1%. You know, because the experience is so awesome and you're so present, you don't want to stop the moment to take a photo. You know, that's my experience. Really? In this Instagram world where in, everybody's taking... Even in this Instagram world, yeah, because I'm in that Instagram world, and I'm lucky if I get a photo at Burning Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get back to uh, traveling around the world. You, uh, give me some of your, your top, let's say, three worldwide destinations that you like. Mm. You say countries. What are your favorites? I love Costa Rica. Sure. Uh, Nosara in particular. I was in Nosara. That's where I went to surf camp. Oh, really? That's where I almost learned to surf. Wow. Did you stay at the <laughs> Harmony Hotel? No, I stayed at the... Oh, my gosh. The Bodhi Tree? No, it was a safari surf camp Oh, cool. down there. Awesome. And, and they were based out of a hotel, and I can't remember which one. Maybe cool. a toucan or I want to say some kind of bird involved. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, there was like... A, or is it an iguana? Was it the blue iguana? No. Oh, the blue iguana. It wasn't that one, but okay. I remember the blue iguana. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a cool little town. Cool. That's, yeah, I was down there for a week. Awesome. Yeah. How long, how many times have you been there? I've been there more times than I can count, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Do you surf or do any of that stuff? I do surf. Yeah, I do yoga. I do five rhythms, uh, which is a meditation and movement practice. I do a lot of immersions of that down there. Okay. Do you work with hotels or do you work at resorts or something? Um, I work with a... It's called the Costa Rica Yoga Spa. Yeah, I do. I've done photos for them. I've worked retreats. I've produced things. I, okay. Yeah. Do you go like every year? Every winter, yeah. Wow, sweet. Are you going yeah. this year? I'm going this year. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, after Costa Rica, what else is up there? You know, there? I love Italy 
and Capri, Can't go wrong, Capri particularly. Which, I have not been. You know, I didn't know much about it. When I started doing my research, I was like, oh, it's just one of those like rich islands where sure. people with a bunch of money go. But I went there for on a photo escapade and wasn't planning on spending the night because it was so outrageously priced. Uh, I just went for a day trip from Napoli and... I got there and they were like, oh, we can't go on the photo trip today because the the waves are too rough. So you can come back tomorrow. And I was like, all I had was my purse. Actually, I did bring my toothbrush and toothpaste. So uh, apparently never I know. intuitively knew that <laughs> it might be staying a scarf. I was just wearing this like little skirt, little top, my purse and my camera. And I was like, all right, I'm going to stay the night. I'm going to come back tomorrow. And I actually ended up staying three days and it was so magical. I just had the most serendipitous experiences and, you know, in retrospect, it probably had a lot to do with the fact of like, again, energetics. And like, I just showed up with myself and my camera and wanting to experience magic. And so I did, you know, I didn't come with a big mission or a bunch of luggage, metaphorically speaking, of like what I was going to do and where I was going to go. I just showed up and so much magic unfolded literally every person i had an interaction with it was like wow this is i'm in the flow i was in the flow <laughs> the whole time i was there and it was beautiful it was so stunning and the people were just so lovely and then third i love greece oh yeah i was just there for the first time last year really mm-hmm. yeah i went to well i did like five islands and then athens awesome yeah i did uh santorini Eos, Naxos, Peros, and Mykonos. Wow, I did almost the same one. Yeah, well, it's the same yeah. kind of line, really. Yep. Uh, which ones did you like better? I like the smaller, mellow ones. Yeah, I can't even re- pronounce the, the one I love the most. I think it was called Kufansi or Kufanzanisi or oh, something. Yeah, it know. was a tiny, tiny, there was nothing on it, like two restaurants. I loved that one. Um, Delos was really cool because it was it's like the ancient island and there's nothing but the historic places. And then, you know, Mykonos was surprisingly awesome, but Naxos was by far my favorite. Yeah. I like that one too. The um Mykonos I just thought it was too I don't know, too crowded, too party, too yeah, like too, too Ibiza. You know what I mean? I I see that. And I happened to be there when we, because we went on a sailboat. And so we pulled up and we went to... Oh, boat's the way to go. Yeah. We went to this beach club that it was just sort of, it was very abeasy, but it was like, (laughs) it was bohemian and all my Mm -hmm. vibe of people. And the music was amazing. And then at the end of the night, I was like, who's DJing? And they were like, Lee Burridge, who's one of my favorite DJs. And I was like, no wonder. And I was so bummed because the night before he'd played in LA and I was like, oh man, I was, we missed Lee Burridge last night in LA, but oh well, we're in Greece. And then the next night (laughs) he's DJing at the beach club that we're at. Well, that was convenient. Yeah. Probably thinks you're following him. It's like, wow, my group's here. <laughs> uh, okay, so those three. Um, where do you want to go that you've never been? Mm. Where do I want to go? That's a great question. I'm not going to get there if I don't ask myself that question. Have you done much of Asia? Not much. Actually, no yeah, Bali? Japan. No Bali in your life? Yeah, I've done Bali. Of course. I've done I'm, Bali. I would, I would be shocked if you hadn't. Um, I did a stint in Bali, actually. <laughs> uh, like a... Massage stint or no? It was sort of like a living awakening awakening stint. Yeah, post Australia sort of. That's where I made my list of what do I want in my life and where who what places provide that. 
Japan for sure. The oh. company I work for is about to launch in Japan in about sixty days. Japan's and pretty so cool. I'm really excited to start doing business in Japan. Are you going to be traveling a lot for work? That's the plan. What is what? Okay, tell the. Is this the hemp? This thing? is the hemp. Yeah. Okay, so what is that? You can get this plug in. What's your What's the business called? Yeah, the company is called Prime My Body, and it's essentially a health and wellness affiliate marketing company and we've got hemp oil and detox and then we're just about to enter the crypto scene as well and so 80 percent of cryptocurrency is actually out of japan so that's part of why we went with this strategy but essentially we've got this amazing hemp oil that it's just a really magical plant ally that helps bring your body into balance so it helps people with things as far as anxiety or inflammation or brain fog and just overall well-being it's one of the most magical plant allies i've ever come across and yeah so we're about to open there and it's just really amazing because japan needs hemp oil and they need detox and we're the only registered company over there well do the new um I don't know, the, the, uh, the new pot laws or anything like affect your business? They must affect your business. And how does that affect you internationally when every law is different in every country? Yeah, actually, no, it doesn't because we are sourced from industrial hemp. So that means that it has less than 0.3% THC. Okay. And so we're legal almost every single place in the world. Yeah, in every state, you know, it's, a, it's an oil and because it's, it's considered a food supplement because it has less than 0.3% THC. Okay. So can people get this in like Whole Foods or do they, nope. they have only stores? Or they can they only send get away it, for it. They can only get it from an affiliate. Okay. Yeah. And you're an affiliate. I'm an affiliate. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Japan, where else? Where else would you like to go? I would like to go to... Africa? You've been there at all? I haven't been. Egypt? I really want to go I to st- I haven't been Egypt. Either. Yeah, Egypt, Africa. I mean, there's so many places. Um, Iceland. I'd love to go to Iceland. And yeah, you know, really, yeah, Africa and Egypt are definitely at the top of my list. Have you ever been somewhere where you said, you know, I'd be good if I if I never came back here? Have you heard any bad experiences? You know, I sort of feel that way about Bali, which is so interesting. <laughs> is it just because it's too touristy? No, you know, where I was, I was not, I was in a village and it was just really sad to be in a, th- it was heartbreaking to be in a third world country, seeing so many people struggling and then so many people on the tourist side, totally t- turning a blind eye to it. Right. And Even after all you saw in your missionary stuff? Yeah. I mean, it, it's more so, I don't know. I think also like the, the journey that I was on at that point of like just really feeling broken and my external reality was reflecting that of just, yeah, feeling really disheartened. Like a lot of it was like trash in the ocean, like people dumping, they dump their trash in the river and then it goes in the ocean. And then it's like, well, what are the people who are paying all of this money to come here helping, you know, doing to help make this country better? That's right. and it I just felt like I didn't have you know, I started a nonprofit organization after that based on picking up three pieces of trash a day. Um, so it did inspire that, but it, I it's one of those things that I just sort of turned my back to it because I'm like, oh, I don't know how to help this situation, so I'm just not gonna come back here. But yeah, it's <laughs> tough. I'm a diver too, so that's why it's tough to I was in Gili Trawangan mm-hmm. and then I went um I went around 
you know, I was in like Seminyak and Bali and mm-hmm. a few other places. But yeah, the beaches can get, it's really sad. There's so much beauty there. Right. And it's just, you want to see all that money filter to the people and then so much doesn't. Right. But I see that everywhere. I mean, that's true in the Caribbean and right. it's true. Yeah, it's tough. But to have you, like, do you try to do sustainable travel wherever you go and leave a small footprint? Yeah. I mean, I do my best. I, it doesn't help that I like fly, but I yeah. hold, I keep holding the vision of, biodiesel airplanes by Richard Branson. I got that on my vision board, but he's going to totally support all my travels through that too and sponsor me on those planes or hopefully soon enough I'll be able to afford my own. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd be great. With the hemp uh, empire. Exactly. Your empire. empire. That's what I'm I building. I like it. Building the empire. <laughs> um, so, okay, so you want to go to those places. Um, your favorite things to eat when you go overseas. Are you a food person? Uh, do you, are you big into the? Are you? I am a food person. Okay. Do you eat everything, or are you only vegetables? I'm an opportunivore. You know, I <laughs> eat mostly plant based. I do you have a weakness. My weakness is definitely all Italian food. Yeah, well, that'll do it. Anything Italian. I love <laughs> bread. I love pizza. I love pasta. Uh, and the wine and the gelato. Yeah. So good. I'm not really a sweets girl, but the savory. But there, you got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there for sure. I was in Bologna last year and the food was so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course, everywhere in Italy, the food's good. But even Italians think Bologna is like yeah. the place you got to go. You got to go. It's really good. Ugh, now you're making me hungry. Um, what's the weirdest thing you ever ate? The weirdest thing I ever ate. Did anybody hand you something and go, ooh, did you ever eat grubs or anything in Australia or did you eat? <laughs> I never ate grubs. A strange animal? I mean, I did eat octopus a couple times. Oh, the octopus in, well, in Europe is, again, we're back to Italy. And, yeah. Oh, Croatia, the octopus salad. Oh, and it was strange to me because, I mean, I just, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have eaten the octopus only because I greasy. It's everywhere. I love, yeah, I love octopus and octopus actually, you know, they're known as the most loyal mothers on the planet. I think that they spend 54 weeks. I mean, months, I'm sorry, 54 months. I think it's like eight years or something before their babies, you know, hatch and then they die after they give birth to their babies so for me i'm like oh i just want to like honor the octopus really all animals i do i i'm really conscious about if i do eat meat where it comes from and making sure that it's organic and sustainably raised and not from one of those farms up the five. <laughs> oh yeah oh from texas too it's the big steak country. Oh, yeah. I grew up. My mom used to joke. She was like, you need to marry a rich man. And then she was like, you need to marry a butcher. Because I liked, you know, the nice cuts of steak. Yeah. And it's what I grew up eating. But, yeah, about uh, around 21, when I had my spiritual awakening, I just started wanting to eat lighter, less dense foods. So when you go back there, or do you ever go back to, do you go back to Texas that much? Not really. Yeah. Yeah. They must, do they think you're just nuts? Totally. They always thought I was an alien, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, So Okay, so you're doing all these things. Um, If if we're looking at your vision board, where do you see, say, like five years from now, where you're going in, like in business and in life or in travel or anywhere? Yeah, so in five years from now, I see myself 
contributing to healing centers, art centers, retreat centers all over the world. Ideally, that's part of my big vision. And I do think in five years that will start to, it's already starting to come into fruition a bit. And yeah, a massive empire. I am calculating. I, I definitely am optimistic I'll be a billionaire by then. And for, for me, that's really about positively influencing the lives of a billion people. And, you know, I have a vehicle with this company to absolutely do that and to actually make generational wealth and create a legacy, not only for myself, but, you know, for the kids on the planet right now. And I, I really want to put the power and the money back into the hands of the people who want to do good for the planet. And I feel at this time, it's we're really birthing a new earth. And I, I know a lot of people in my circles who are stepping up and starting to use their power and their resources more to funnel what the world needs in order to sustain itself in the future. So, you know, for me, it's really about creating a space and a world where we have you know clean food clean water a a place where people can be self-expressed and to nurture their gifts and their art and whatever it is that they're here to do on the planet because you know the systems and even even schools colleges I feel like the way the the model that we've been living and the system that we've been living inside is starting to fall apart and I don't think any of us know what it's really going to look like and I know that I'm on the front lines and on the forefront of some sort of revolution. So I'm just essentially showing up every day and my vision continues to evolve. But really, I think it's a collective vision. I don't even think it's about me and what I want. I think it's about being of greater service to the highest and greatest good of all. So when we get up every day and there's all this, there's always bad news and people need good news, I think. Do you see places in the world as America seems to be, I don't want to be too negative, but it's, you know, it's in a weird place. Is there any place out there that seems encouraging to you that's, that we can maybe look at and go, you know what, they're kind of doing it right? Yeah, I mean... I'm asking you for good news. Right, totally. <laughs> I'm begging you for it. Help me, help me see the bright side of where things are going. Yeah, you know... I, I, I don't think it's out there. I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking out there, you know, I'm looking inside and that's really what it comes down for me. It's like, what's going on inside of me because whatever is happening outside of me and whatever I'm getting is just a reflection again of what's happening inside. So for me, it's about going, you know, inside of me, inside my community, inside of my company, building, building something from the inside out because yeah, I, I haven't been looking in a couple of years of what's good out there because like I said, I haven't really been seeing it. You know, I do think that there's in other countries and cultures, they've got some really great things going on. But honestly, I haven't looked deep enough to know, you know, politically, what's a good system. I, I don't, I'm not tapped in or tuned into that at all, because most of it isn't positive. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's about going to the places where there is that good news. And, and that's just within the the leaders within, you know, creating this tribe. I've created a tribe and community of people who are really committed to, you know, this higher vision and not being susceptible to the systems that are already in place. Surround yourself with good people. Exactly. And I don't listen to the news or the radio or I don't have a TV. So I just don't, I filter it. And even if sometimes I hear a commercial like walking by, I just like, you know, I close my ears and... 
I just try not to have any of it coming in at all. <laughs> no, I get it. Cause I have, uh, like this is the first place I've gotten and I'm made by living in TV for 25 years and I didn't even get it. And when I moved to this place, I don't miss it at all. Yeah. I don't miss it at all. So I get this TV sitting there that I've carried around and it's not even being used. It's just taking up space. Yeah. You want it? Please. Mm. <laughs> How big is it? <laughs> yeah, it's too big. <laughs> um, no, but we, I mean, change always starts from within, right? I mean, yep. But all media feeds on negativity because that's what gets people to watch. Absolutely. How long did it take you to build this community? Oh, I guess it's a lifetime, but... Yeah, I mean, essentially, it started when I was about 21 or 22. I had my first big spiritual awakening, and it just hit me. Like, it was like everything that wasn't serving me became very obvious, and like the direction that I needed to head became very clear. And so that's when I started, sort of started collecting my soul tribe, so to speak. And and now you're 22 and a half. <laughs> now I'm 32. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm 32 now. But yeah, well, you actually, don't look it at all. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, I know. I get. You know I still why? get carded at like sure. for sitting in the emergency row on airplanes. People are like, are you 15? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm 15. They're like, can I see your ID? <laughs> you know what it is? It's hemp. <laughs> hemp. Essential oils. Hemp. Hemp oil, I'll tell you. <laughs> I have a lot of hemp oil. So it's like, it's, you know, 10, 11 years of building up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's around. funny, my, they give you a playa name typically when you go to Burning Man. And my playa name is Posse Vibes. <laughs> so, you know, my friends are like, yeah, Posse Vibes. You know, she brings the Posse Vibes because I'm just, I choose to be op- optimistic. You know, it, it really is a choice. And it's a daily practice of waking up every day. And for me, I've got different tools. You know, I use affirmations every single day. I still have that negative loop that comes up of you're not good enough or, you know, what, whatever it might be, the fear that comes up. And we just have to consciously choose every day to love ourselves more than anything. And that's what it really came down to me, came down to for me years ago of, if you don't learn how to love yourself fully and you don't love yourself fully, you're never going to attract people that love you or love themselves. And so in that moment of clarity when I was 22, that was one of the things I got is your mission is to learn to love yourself completely. And it's it's been a mission, you know, definitely has. But I do. I love myself. <laughs> well, I can play devil's advocate here. And do you think being coming from a place, say if you were... I don't know, poorer or something, would you have this time to be self-introspection? And, you know, some might look at, like, even Burning Man or something as a place of coming from privilege. Absolutely. Um, I, I believe that is. <laughs> okay. So how, what is your response to yeah. that? Well, you um, know, I come from a very poor background. And, you know, when I, even when I came out to California, I was sleeping on an air mattress. And I knew I would be for months and I struggled with my rent and I didn't have the time I think that's part of the journey of like learning how to navigate that and what I have learned since then is it's a mindset thing you know like I said 80% is mindset so you know there's books like think and grow rich that have radically changed my life and my way of thinking and I think what I've come to know is if you use your mind and you actually believe, I've learned this through alchemy also. In alchemy, there's um, something my teacher calls the wheel of manifestation. And when you anchor in the present moment 
and then you use your mind to think a thought in the present moment of whatever it is that you want to create and then you feel that feeling inside of your body and then you experience the sensation of how it smells, what it tastes like, what it feels like, what it looks like and then you let it go and release it. You give it that space. That's what we call in alchemy the wheel of manifestation and it allows you to draw in whatever it is that you want. What I think keeps people from having that is their limiting beliefs or their blocks and those thoughts of, again, you know, not being enough, not being worthy, that they don't deserve it. So it's so multifaceted and so there's so many layers to it. And I think that if people can see what's blocking them and learn to love themselves, I don't think that money is essentially the issue. Yes, it's a lot easier to have, you have time when you have money, um, but not always, you know, and it's a, it's a dance I'm still learning because well, what I find is like the more time I put into myself and my pleasure and the things that are bringing me joy, actually the more money and abundance that flows into my life. Whereas, you know, in this old masculine model of like do, 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 um, it actually doesn't allow as much flow to, to come to me. Well, I mean, is that masculine or is that just our Puritan background that there was a reason they were kicked out of every decent country in Europe and ended up in all the yeah. early to bed, early to rise crap? Yeah, take your buckle hat and go to the new world with that. Yeah, well, so, I think that is definitely a... Um, that's capitalism you know, we all, we all as well, have, you know. Right, the masculine, feminine inside of us, but that's yeah. definitely... I've definitely grew up with a stronger masculine side because my mom was a single mom. So it was like, you you know, you've got got to do both all the time so but that i think in the masculine nature is more of the the do the doing <laughs> would your mom go to burning man has she gone she hasn't she would and i would love to get her there i want to get my brother there too oh you have a brother i do older or younger younger oh, okay yeah is he still back in texas he's back in texas he was sort of like, don't take me anywhere else. I don't want to move ever again. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I was the opposite, clearly. <laughs> my brother's the same way. He's never been out of the country. Yeah, my brother's <laughs> been a few times on some cruises, but... <laughs> yeah, that's not... We don't count those. I don't. I certainly don't. Even touching land is even like, okay, I'm here for eight hours. What am I going to, you know, see in Puerto Vallarta? <laughs> exactly. That's where we went. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be there next uh, in December. Look for me, folks, on the Holland America, blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. Okay, anyway. Um, okay, well, this is, thank you for doing this. Yeah. I don't know. Did we get enough? Did we, any other travel places you can recommend? What other places that you've been to that you recommend to people that maybe is not the most common, like maybe off the beaten path? Capri was a good one. Yeah, I mean. I mean, it's easy to say go to Paris. But oh, you love know, Paris. of course, oh my God. but where's like, Oh, Paris. I never even thought of that place. You know, Portugal. I, I was there. La I was in the Algarve last year. I've been there. No, I haven't been Lisbon's there. Lisbon's great. Yeah. Such a beautiful country. And Spain. I mean, it's sort of a place that people go, but I love Spain. I love Barcelona. I love, actually, I've got some friends in this little town called Murcia and I just love it. I just love Spain. I love, I love, yeah, Spain, Italy, Greece. They're definitely in my top. How's your Spanish? Mm, muy bien. <laughs> muy bien. I was going to so, say más o menos, but okay. it's actually gotten a lot better over yeah, the years. That's my vow every year. I'm going <laughs> to get it better. Okay, give us a Texas travel tip. 
Where's what's off the beaten path in Texas that's cool that we may not know? Honestly, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just left it in your dust. Like, uh, I don't even remember. I'm sorry, I blocked Texas it all people. out. No, it's funny because I have a lot of friends in Texas that are from Texas who just love Texas, and I'm. Oh yeah. Um, and, and they never stop talking about. It. <laughs> I, I kid the Texas folks. I'm not yeah, no, no. I, you know, Austin is really the only place I recommend. Austin's o- funky. Outside of Austin, you know, there's places like not. I mean, like the caverns, the Natural Bridge caverns outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I would go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Austin's great, though. Uh, great. Austin's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's too. Um, okay, give us uh, all the websites. And all the plugs and uh, give it all out. Where can people find your stuff? Yeah, so Sarah Haywood, S-A-R-A-H-H-A-Y-W-O-O-D dot primemybody dot com and Sarah Haywood dot me, M-E. Those are my my two things and social media at Sarah dash Haywood for most everything. On Instagram and yep, everything Twitter, else. All the okay. Things. okay. Yeah. Are you a Pinterest person? I'm not. I have no idea. I do have a Pinterest. I drew the line. I have I no idea. I, I don't think I have anything public on there, but I do use that as like visual manifestation boards. Okay. Yeah, I just save all the photos of all the things and places I want to go and build and do, and then they pop up in my life. Cool. And if they want to uh, buy hemp uh, products, where would they go? Yep, my Prime My Body website. Oh, Prime My Body. Okay, yep. that one. All right. Which I highly recommend the hemp oil. Most bioavailable hemp oil on the planet. Our is- chemist is a shamanic wizard. Okay, have you ever done, oh, have you ever done the um, ayahuasca? The ayahuasca. Yeah, I did years ago. I don't think it's really my medicine, but I am a fan of the toad. What, oh, what, is that where you lick a toad? People always ask. That's not it. It's actually toad venom from a toad. It's called the buffalo frog out in Arizona. And yeah, you extract the venom from these little pouches that it has. Yeah, I know. You don't hurt them, do you? No, no, you don't oh. hurt them. No, no, it's totally animal friendly. I'm totally a the venom. So is this? It's not. Is it poisonous? It's a poison. Yeah, but it's actually an meo five, which is part of what's in uh, or five meo, uh, which is an ayahuasca. And for me, yeah, that was wow. That was that was the journey. That it was, was a hallucinogenic. Or it's a. It's a DMT. Yeah, five meo okay. is a DMT. And how long does that last? It lasted about twenty minutes. Oh, okay. So it's not like you're for no. days. Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. What did you see? Everything. Bigger frogs? <laughs> no, I okay. didn't see any frogs in it. <laughs> I actually, you know what's funny? I had a full Jesus moment the first time I did it. Right when I went in, I was Jesus on the cross. It was really powerful. I was like, and I was aware, I was conscious. I was, whoa, I just smoked toad venom and I'm having a Jesus moment. God is real. <laughs> And then the second time I did it, I had a full on Mother Mary experience. And it's just, you know, what it showed me, it's like that hero's journey, this, the the divine masculine and the divine feminine, these two archetypes that we can all tune into of, you know, just the hero's journey. What are these things that are kind of, they're obviously in your mind. Right. I mean, but it's just extracting them in a way, right? Almost like dreams, do the same essentially i sort of feel like it was tapping more into the one mind than my mind because what i'd when i was in college i studied the troubadours and jim morrison and just all of music throughout time and history and 
psychedelics are actually a really common thing for musicians and artists to partake in as well as medicine people shamans and all of those experiences that I read in college I had that experience in that journey of just seeing the oneness the snake be, you know becoming the snake and eating my tail and the yin and the yang and just really all of it the totality of life and noticing and realizing that it's all happening at the same time and that our minds keep us limited to believe that this 3d world that we live in this chair that i'm sitting in is like actually real <laughs> but in those sort of journeys i realize that it's not it's just a dream and what it's done for me it's allowed me to not take life so seriously to not get stressed out to not have fear to not be afraid to take action for anything that i want to do in my life because it it's shown me that life is short and that there's really no reason not to do what you love it's a good way to end it Thanks. Yeah. Thanks thank for doing you. this. Uh, it's Sarah Haywood, everybody. And you want to see links to all her sites as well. You can go to TravelTalesPodcast.com and uh, live your best life. Does that sound good? <laughs> Sounds good. How did I do? You did great. I did okay. <laughs> Sarah Haywood, everybody. And if-